2: A story that a lot of people would have uh, heard about over the past 48 hours and and before. An inquest in Mallow yesterday heard that the skeletal remains found in a boarded up terrace house on Beecher Street in the town on the 13th of January last year were identified uh, as being those of the late Tim O'Sullivan. Ralph Regal is the Surgeon Correspondent for the Irish Independence and he was at the inquest yesterday. Good morning Ralph. Good morning, Joe. Ralph, uh, we can talk about the inquest in a second, but uh, first of all, it's often, in this case, we know the name of the person now, and we didn't when when the story first broke. But what do we know about Tim O'Sullivan?
0: Uh, We learned quite a bit, actually. Um, He was born in Carr-Syveen in Kerry in 1939. And I suppose like a lot of Irish families at the time, given uh, the employment prospects, the family relocated to the UK. So he was effectively brought up in the UK. He worked over there. He got married in the UK. But he was very proud of his Irish connections, and he maintained uh, the family connections, uh, particularly to Kerry. So he was a regular visitor back um, to Ireland ireland he had a number of sisters and a brother and um, they were a tight-knit family they they kept in contact with each other usually by cards and letters because one of his sisters moved to australia mm. so he moved back to ireland around i think it was 90 the, the, the kind of the late 80s and he purchased a property at beecher street in mallow still maintained contact with his family but then suddenly from christmas 2001 that contact stopped. So there were no letters. Um, letters that were written to him went unanswered. And his sister, um, Noreen Foster, who was the lady that was based in in Australia, she came to, to Ireland and to the UK on a holiday with her family. And when they were in Ireland, they decided that they would go to Beecher Street just to check up and uh, try and, and find Timmy. So they went to the, the property. Um, it was locked. There was no answer. Um, repeated attempts to get an answer at the door failed they looked through the window they could see items on the table inside it was apparent that those items hadn't been moved for some time they went to neighbors and the neighbors who knew timothy o'sullivan said that they understood that he had moved back to the uk but the family still weren't happy and they went to the Garda station and they said to the guards look we're trying to find timothy o'sullivan the guards knew him and said that they understood as well that he had moved back to the UK. So the family took that as effectively a verification of of the proceedings. And it it wasn't until, as you mentioned, January the 13th last, when a Cork County Council crew actually went to the property. Uh, essentially, they went to the property because it had been deemed to be derelict for many years. Mm. There had been broken windows which were addressed by when the property was boarded up in about 2014, 2015. And then there had been repeated complaints about rodent infestations. Now, the council workers back in the around 2014, 2014, 2015 couldn't get access to the back of the property to deal with it. And eventually, it was decided that what they had to do was they were hiring rent to kill they were going to drill out the locks on the front door and install new locks with the keys provided to rent so that they could deal with um, whatever infestation issues were there. And three councilmen arrived, including Paul O'Donoghue. They drilled out the um, the lock on the door. They found it very difficult to open the door because there was, I think, about three quarters of a foot of mail and post directly behind the door. Eventually, it took several of them to force the door open, even though it was unlocked. And uh, Mr O'Donoghue, wearing a headlamp, decided he would just do a quick sweep of the interior of the property. Before they completed their work. And to his shock, when he looked into a bedroom, he didn't actually enter the bedroom. He stood at the bedroom door. He discovered what he thought were a pair of human legs sticking out under a duvet. So he looked twice, uh, was shocked, went back out to his two colleagues and said, look, I'm not 100% sure, but I think I've found a human body. And he brought his colleagues back in they looked into the bedroom again they didn't enter the bedroom and they were also convinced that yes it was human remains it looked like a human body that was untucked up in bed under um, blankets and with a coat laid on top of the bed and they notified Gardie and that's when this grim discovery was confirmed.
2: Yeah, What, what struck me about this Ralph and that's a very good <laughs> synopsis of the whole of the whole story there but what struck me about Tim O'Sullivan Sullivan and maybe slightly different to other cases this was a man who had a family that cared about him this is uh, they tried. Uh, you know obviously families move apart if people go to different parts of the world and that generation definitely people emigrated and stayed in touch by letter more than you know social media or, or, or phones that we'd use today but people cared about Tim O'Sullivan but still he went missing
0: Yeah, and I think that's really the crux. I mean, we had the details of the tragedy, and it is a tragedy that any person would die and then not be discovered for 22 years. But I think the 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 real issue that arose yesterday was something that was raised by the family in terms of the fact that, number one, they believe that there's urgent reforms needed to derelict um, property regulations and protocols so that... Someone who dies in these circumstances that they don't go undiscovered for this extensive period of time. And it's probably worth me just outlining. There was a statement read by Solicitor Fiona O'Sullivan of of O'Mara's solicitors. They were acting on behalf of the O'Sullivan family. And she read out a statement uh, to the coroner, uh, Dr. Michael Kennedy, on behalf of Aidan Shine, who was a nephew of Timothy O'Sullivan. <clears throat> but it was also read out on behalf of the entire O'Sullivan family. And it, briefly, what they said was, quotes, as a family, we acknowledge that we should have done more to locate our brother. We bear the weight of our own regret for not being able to find him earlier. And that is something we will carry with us always. Uh, we do not seek to lay blame but rather to emphasise to all parties involved that more could have been done. We also believe that on garda and the local authorities involved could have shown more care and due diligence in this matter. We assumed the Guardy would carry out a welfare check to confirm that the house was vacant. However we now know that this was not done. The decision to board up the house without conducting internal checks highlights one of the many shortcomings in the current derelict property processes and surely concealed the truth about our brother's whereabouts for even longer. And they then called for a review of derelict property regulations and processes. And probably the most stark element of their statement was, "Quotes, we are deeply concerned that this tragedy may not be an isolated incident yeah. in a nation with over 180,000 derelict properties We worry that similar cases could remain hidden. And in response to that statement, Dr. Kennedy said that he he acknowledged what the family was saying and he would be writing to the relevant minister to underline those concerns.
2: Because we've seen cases like this in Cork City recently. There was a case in in Blackpool where a man had been in in a house for several (coughs) years as well, wasn't there recently?
0: Very much so, Joe. I mean, I I cover these cases. um, They're very unfortunate. They're very tragic. They're very poignant cases, but they do crop up at relatively regular intervals. I mean, I remember a case of a man uh, on the north side a number of years ago, and when he was found, he was completely mummified because he had died in the house. The heating was on, and whatever environmental factors were there, the man actually mummified. There's been other cases where people haven't been found for a couple of years, but it just seems absolutely extraordinary that a man can die and not be discovered in his house for 22, 22 years. years yeah. And it's not, I should stress as well, this isn't a house that's, you know, on the top of a mountain yeah. or hidden in the middle of a forest. This house is on Beecher Street. It's one of the busiest roads in Mallow because it's used as a little bit of a rat run. Yeah. And it's literally just a 100
2: metres from the main Cork to Limerick Road. Yeah, Ralph, one of the things that struck me about the inquest, there was a very kind of touch, I don't know, human moment because he had kept a little diary and they found a diary. And one of the things that he recorded, one of the last. The very last entries in this diary was saying that, oh, today I went to Tesco for the first ever time and I I did my shopping in Tesco. And I mean, you know, even from that little detail, you can tell something about Tim O'Sullivan and the man he might have been because he, he obviously... You know, he, he was a man who lived a life, a quiet life, it seems. Didn't know many, many people, but he, but he still, he, he did live a life. And he probably, and as the family eloquently said yesterday, he deserved a, he deserved a better end to it than, than he got, didn't he? <laughs>
0: Yeah, very much so. And I think you, you really get a a flavor of the person. And that diary entry was very, very moving that, you know, that, that someone would, would, would go and, and note that going to Tesco for the first time. And why that's particularly interesting is that one of the things that, that Gardy used to narrow down the time period for when Mr. O'Sullivan um, most likely died. And it, it certainly appears that, I mean, he seems to have died sometime between January the 9th and January the 23rd, 2001. And the January 9th date is relevant because he had a Tesco receipt for groceries and it was dated... Uh, January the 9th. Um, I think it was also quite moving that one of the possessions that he had was actually the memorial card for his mother Mary. Uh, apparently he was very close to her and that was actually amongst
2: his possessions as well. When I lived in London, um, the, the Irish Centre in London does amazing work with that generation that went in the 60s and 70s and many of them kind of fell through the cracks because either they didn't get married or they, they got separated from their families and communication broke Because back in the sixties and seventies, you, if you went to London, you know, or if you went to the UK, in many cases, that was a, a, a good distance away, and people didn't stay in touch so much. But it's it's just strange to me that people in London there were regular cases of, of elderly Irish men who basically kept, were completely forgotten about, in homeless in some cases. But it's just strange as well to me that that this man could come back from the UK and, and you know have a life here in Ireland, but also fell through the cracks. I suppose the one thing. That strikes a lot, the, the, i don 't know that the guards even have such a thing as a welfare check in two thousand and one i mean but it 's something obviously that the force is going to have to take more seriously and and councils as well, i suppose.
0: Yeah, I suppose the two elements of it are: one is that the family did their very best. Yeah. I mean, the family went to the guards. Uh, the family did raise their concerns, and they were assured that he had moved back to the UK. But then, of course, all attempts to contact him in the UK failed. I think really what they want to see is that the processes and the protocols are improved and streamlined, and that, as you mentioned, these loopholes and that these cracks are addressed. And of course, one of the problems was that Cork County Council were were aware quite early that this was a, a problem property that. The there was windows broken yes. on it there was council staff sent there to board it up but the council found it extremely difficult to clarify who actually owned the property yes. and that was again one of the issues so what they want, the family are basically saying is that they want a single place where a local authority or a health board or the guards can go to to determine the ownership of buildings and that will make their jobs an awful lot well, easier that, as well.
2: That would actually a, reg, a proper register of ownership of properties would help a lot because in my neighbourhood up around Barrack Street there's been derelict houses and people have no idea who owns them and you talk to locals and they kind of think, oh well I think that that his his mother died and he moved away. I think he's the guy who owns it. But you can also see with Timmy uh, O'Sullivan with this with the man in Mallow, um, how maybe one person kind of said when, when questions were being asked, "Oh, I think he went back to the UK," and then that just became the accepted kind of like explanation as to why why the man uh, was was missing. But the, the family must have been heartbroken. I mean, the, 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 they obviously took 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 this to heart, didn't they?
0: I think very much so. I think um, probably the extensive media coverage was part of the issue as well. I mean, certainly um, one of the things that was stressed to us yesterday when the, their statement was released was that they're very private people. Yes. It has been a very difficult time for them and that they want their, their privacy respected, which is perfectly understandable given you know the difficult uh, circumstances involved in this. And I think really, again, if you look at the family statement, what they really want is they don't want any other family to go through what yes.
2: they've gone through okay. and, and, and like I said they, what the statement that they released was eloquent and it raised very important issues and and Ralph thanks very much for talking to us this morning about that really My tragic pleasure. case in Mallow thank you Joe Shea sitting in for PJ this morning um, now just before the break we were talking about that man who tragically was dead in a house for 22 years in Mallow Timothy O'Sullivan was his name we now are going to talk to a man who is well known in the city for his work with the over 60s good morning Paddy O'Brien yeah so
1: good morning uh, Joe and the first thing I would do I would uh, sympathise sympathize with his relatives and I would have to say as well that I know the people of Mallow for many many years and the great work been down down there for the elderly and it was very regrettable what had happened. I would say as well Joe that <clears throat> this is not a blaming game there's nobody to blame mm. there's nobody to blame but it has taught us all a lesson and that is that if we don't doubt about something in relation to you think there's a person inside the house and you haven't seen him for a long time do something yourself do something else Uh, and I would say I've been saying for years a knock on the door can save a life yeah. No, and I, I, told you, I was speaking at a function at the Radisson Hotel last uh, Friday night um, about the age and I made, I think that was uh, a very relevant statement in relation to this, this tragedy. I said, in, in Ireland, or in Cork rather, in Corksingham County, we have eighteen and a half thousand people living alone and many of these people are housebound. And I think it's a miracle that we don't have more tragedies because we don't have enough services. We don't have enough of uh, public health buses going on them. And what we need are visiting committees in every parish. Yes. It might seem something big, but it's something simple. Setting up a small group of people who would trace the elderly people living alone. And there are many, there are eight and a half thousand living alone, as I've already said, some of them are housebound. So to avoid tragedies, future tragedies, something must be done. But we must all be more vigilant. You see, it was an expression used there. By the previous speaker he said people assumed such a name assumed such a name um, <clears throat> all the tragedies that, that have occurred in Ireland over the last couple of years there was one in Madden's buildings there was one in the Glen there was one in John Bell, the they for two years Every, everyone not cast any expression on them but people said they assumed that the person was trying to sit on mother yeah. they were going down the contrary uh, don't assume anything if you have any doubt and you do not have to be a member of any organisation mm. to knock on the door and say to anyone, are you all right? I was worried about you. And that's a very strong message and it should, put, it should be put into every... Everyone should be aware of this. Don't depend on another person. And this is not a blaming game. As I said at the outset, the elderly people are well being looked after by the people in, in, in Mallow and throughout the country, that, but sometimes something like this would happen. It will avoid it happening again. All of us will be more vigilant, and I think it's important, and people should give it some consideration in the visiting committee.
2: Yeah, because, Paddy, that's a very practical thing that people think that people can do. And even if you're a member of like, I don't know, a GA club or if you yeah. have a regular bridge club or any kind of thing, yeah. if you're connected to a group of friends, uh, our neighbours, it's, it's relatively easy to even organise a WhatsApp group and say, right, there's, we know that there's six elderly people living in the area alone. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just yeah. set up a, a rota and one of us will call, knock that's on their a, door.
1: No, once no once so. that's a very good point you made. Very relevant point you made. When President Mary um, uh, attended um, pre- president, President, she, uh, in association with the GAA, set up committees in every town that they would look after the elderly of the area, and that was very well. Re- that was very well at the time. But I know it's very, very sad. It's very sad. But what must happen is this. We must stop working on saying we must avoid it happening again in our village, in our town, in our our city. And we all, I said, we all, no matter where you are now in this program, we all have a contribution to make about being vigilant. And I said to myself, when did I see Mrs. Murphy last? When did I see Mr. Murphy last? And just knock on the door. I was worried about you. You want something from the shop? Yes. Can I can you can you drive you someplace? We we must but I but I will have to say this as well, <clears throat> Joe, that despite the fact that great work being done by work committees, um, there's not enough contact. I'm always concerned about the people that live alone. And I have been for many for many years. And as I was speaking to Radisson the last Friday night, I, I put a lot of emphasis on this. So many people living alone and so many are housebound. And they make the situation worse, many of the people who are housebound and living alone they've no contact the inside world. Many don't have have mobile phones. So it's so I keep on saying it's so important. It's one of the most important things people tend to do now to avoid a repetition of this awful tragedy. Yes. Knock on the door and you could save a life.
2: Paddy, and I suppose even apart from that, you can make a huge difference. I'd say you come across a lot of loneliness, do you, in in the work that you do?
1: I do, I do. I mean, I've been working for many, many years trying to combat loneliness. I started the over-60s back in 1977. Mm-hmm. Um, to combat loneliness combat loneliness, get people out of their homes. there are people living I, I, there are people living alone in Cox City and they go four or five days without speaking to anybody mm-hmm. I, I speak to people inside nursing homes. their own sons and daughters don't even visit them. Their own sons and mm-hmm. daughters do not visit their parents in nursing homes. These are not isolated cases. these are facts the staff are tell me I go to I, I, I go to nursing homes, today I put on a show with past winners of the over-60s in a nursing home in Cork, and I know that I would speak to people, not, not that the way we're going to, and all the nursing homes, people get lonely, but some of them get upset, yes. feel hurt, when their own families just abandon them and ignore them.
2: Yeah, and um, when, when, I'm, I, I grew up in the city centre, I moved to away <coughs> for a long, long time, then I came back, and one thing that I noticed is what the... This, the Streets have changed. There's lots of people from outside of Cork have moved <laughs> to the city centre. They're living there, and that's fine. That's great. It's a new life in the yeah. city. But but it's kind of broken down the traditional sort of community where people knew each other and that's looked after each other. You're
1: perfectly right. I mean, I go to areas, Build up areas in Cork, and I'm not going to mention the areas. Mm. The people there where there's a high concentration of elderly people. They're, they're living in one house. there would be a, an elderly person living next, uh, both sides and across the way, and um, they don't even know each other. But I and then going to back again, what President Mary McAleese said to the GAA, and it was it was very effective then. Whether it is operation now, not I don't know. She said, "Go out and look after the elderly your parish." I know Glenn Rovers lived in Blackpool, yeah. and they still meet on a Tuesday, They'd think and go in and play for indoor games and have outings. And they did that, and they gave every club in the country, and if every organisation, rugby clubs, golf clubs, because um, loneliness. Loneliness is um is a silent disease yes <laughs> um People don't speak about it, and loneliness is what like one of the conventional diseases that kills people. Yeah.
2: I and mean, many of us will <clears> be <throat> there one day. Many of us yeah, will and in, There's one cure, for, cure
1: yeah. for loneliness, and that's the human touch, yeah. the visitation. Okay. Well,
2: Paddy, listen, that's, it's, a, it's an important message. It's a great <laughs> message. We hear it <laughs> often, but maybe we don't act on this enough. So exactly, don't yeah. assume. Check. Knock on the door. Yeah, exactly. John.
1: Knock on the door, and yeah. you can save a life. Yeah. Thanks very much for talking to us. Thanks Joe very much for having me on. Thanks.
3: Corks 96 FM. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy.